Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In that reading from 1 John, we heard, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that, overcame, that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so with these words, we see the great work of God in giving us a new birth. Being born of God is different than simply being born into this world. And John likes to talk a lot about that a lot, especially in his gospel reading, in his gospel according to St. John. We think of it oftentimes in terms of that discussion with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, when Jesus answered Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, and one less, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So this birth, being born again, is literally to be born from above. It's to have a birth that is wrought by the one who created the heavens, who created the earth, who created all things, like we heard of in that reading from Psalm 33. It's to have God as your father and for you to be his son. And it's truly remarkable then when you think about that, that God would give you a new birth into his kingdom. And so errors arise when we try to put ourselves into the equation. We were talking about this the other day with the confirmation students in class, that no one can decide or choose to be born of God. It's impossible. Every time we talk about the third article of the creed, I always have the kids lay down on the floor in the confirmation room and say, you're dead. Now I say, get, and then I'll tell them, well, get up and you know, do whatever, pick up a book or something like that. They'll say, I, I can't, I'm dead, pastor, right? Then I like the quiet, so I maybe just leave the room for a while, let them be, no. Then I say, now choose to believe in Jesus. Well, we can't, Pastor, we're dead. Only by the Holy Spirit can you believe in Jesus. And so Jesus then says that, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So then the Spirit gives new birth. The Spirit gives life. God breathes into us that life, like he breathes life into those bones in the reading from Ezekiel. And the means that he does it are water and the Spirit, baptism. God's word creates faith and new birth. And this faith happens when the word of God is preached, when it is attached to water and baptism, as Jesus sent his disciples out to do, and taught them that this is how disciples are made. In Titus 3, God through St. Paul wrote, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So what's all that got to do with today? Well, during this Easter season, we vividly see that. We see new birth. We see resurrection. We see life. 
is just bursting all throughout with the images of resurrection and new life. And it, because in your baptism, you have been crucified and risen with Christ. You have died. You've been raised with him. And you will rise again on the last day. You know, we had a funeral yesterday. And it's always wonderful to have a funeral during Easter. The sermon writes itself. makes it a lot easier. But we see that image that even in death there's life. And all of that's yours. God has done it, and he's given the new birth to you. God's word clearly teaches this. Christians have believed this for centuries. And I was talking to the Pericope Bible study the other day that there are accounts that during this time in portions of the early church, the newly baptized would wear their white baptismal robes they received at their baptism. Now, we have those white robes. They were oftentimes baptized naked, and then they were covered in a white robe, what we call an alb, you know, kind of the, sometimes the, the white thing that I... I wear as a pastor, it's a baptismal robe. So they would be wearing those then throughout the week after their baptism that first week. Then on the Saturday after Easter, which would be yesterday in our case, then they would lay aside those, those garments, those robes of their baptism, and they would put on again their ordinary clothes, their daily clothes, whatever that may be. And then a final admonition was given to them, spoken to them by the pastor. He would read Galatians 3.27. For as, many as you, uh, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So what this did is they could visually see before them, and it was to teach them that their whole lives are lived as ones who are clothed with Jesus, ones who are heirs of eternal life, ones who have a new birth, even in this world. So with all that God has done, your new birth God tells us something today about that. He says, you overcome the world. Here again, what God wrote through St. John. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So it's nothing trivial when you hear this today. You really have it. You really do overcome the world through faith in Christ. For God has given you a new birth. So what does this mean then? Does this mean, well, just believe in Jesus, everything will be good in your life, and I can go around and saying, hey, I have the victory over that. Well, that's not necessarily what God's saying. But sadly, that's what we try to reduce the Christian faith to oftentimes. We want to just say, well, so long as I believe in Jesus, nothing else matters. And while that may sound pious, oftentimes what we mean is that, well, I say I believe in Jesus, but I actually have no idea how I believe in Jesus. I actually have no idea what it means to believe in Jesus. And by the way, don't you ever tell me anything different. Now, it is absolutely positively true that only by grace through faith in Christ alone are we justified. But we don't use that as an excuse to ignore God's word or to reject what it means to have faith in Christ, a substantive faith, a saving faith, a faith that produces fruit. And so we see that our faith is always looking outside of ourselves, and we see that in the readings today. The minute we want to reduce faith to some generic belief apart from the word of God, apart from where faith is created, apart from where faith is sustained, is the minute we have turned faith into an attempt to justify, to save ourselves, to justify our sins, and to excuse an indifference to what Jesus teaches us. And that's a deadly path to travel down. 
just so happened I was reading something yesterday about the very nature of faith, where the author was explaining from the scriptures how if we separate faith from the means of grace, that is, trying to find our source of faith, our substance in faith, and all of those things apart from word and sacraments, then what we have done is rejected salvation by grace alone through faith alone. He's going through all the scripture passages. And that's the type of faith that the demons have, that they shudder to their judgment. And so in our reading then from 1 John today, a few verses before, at the beginning of this chapter, this is what he writes. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And that whole phrase, or those whole verses, echo really the whole letter. And in 1 John chapter 2, he explains what the world is and how now, as ones who have faith in Christ, one who has been have this new birth, we are to view the things around us in life. He starts off by saying, my little children. Why does he call us little children? Because we have a new birth. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And then he goes on to say this. He says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away, along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. And really, James kind of summarizes this same thing when he says in chapter 1, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So with all of this in mind, and viewing who we are in Christ, being clothed with Christ in our baptism, we see the world around us. We look around. And we see that we overcome the world by resisting all the wicked passions and desires, the delights and pleasures that the devil and your own sinful flesh use to try to attack you, to try to bring you down, to try to get you to reject that victory that you already have. And you secure the victory over them in faith in Christ. And your life is lived this way. So everything you see around you is viewed through a different lens than those who haven't been born of God. Unbelievers put all of their time, put all of their energy into temporal things. So a sure telltale sign of this is look at your life and ask yourself what you talk about in life. What do you get excited about in life? What do you want to put your time and attention into in life? Put your energy into in life. What would you want to be doing if you had anything to do in life. Now, the collect of the day that we'll pray in a few minutes has this to stay, and it kind of orients us. We'll pray in a few minutes. Grant that we who have celebrated the Lord's resurrection may by your grace confess in our life 
and conversation that Jesus is Lord and God. So as the baptized people of God, our whole world as Christians, it revolves around a future glory. A future glory that we've seen even as Jesus is risen from the dead. So when other things in the world, and by that our communities, our sphere of friends, our family, when they become more about the here and now, about something that's gone here one day, gone the next, whatever the current wave of activities and thoughts are, when that becomes our world, well, we'd better stop and repent. So on this day, God calls you to examine your life. Ask yourself if you're living like you have the victory over the world, or is the world having the victory over you? If you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, if you're trying to make sure your kids have everything people are telling you they need, then maybe there's a problem. If you're spending more of your time running around from one thing to another to see that you have no time for God, then there's a problem. If you start to think all about that you have to do, but never get a thought to reading the word of God as a family, praying to your heavenly father, giving him thanks, there's a problem. If you care more about what school you'll get into, what job you'll have, how soon you'll get a promotion, the next game or season of your favorite team, what others will think about you, how much playing time your kid will get, how would you would rather be somewhere else than right now than listening to a young pastor lecture you, then there's a problem. Our world as Christians begins, ends, and sees everything through the word of God, receiving his gifts, because our faith conquers the world. It doesn't, the world does not conquer us. So repent. Don't listen to the world. Don't listen to your fallen flesh. Don't listen to the devil and his lies. Repent and hear what the living God has to say. So being born of God, baptized into Christ, it's so much more than that. It's so much more than all of these things of the world around us. Now, sure, we don't just become Amish and then say, well, everything in the world is evil. No, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. But we don't let those things that are blow us from here and to and fro or to get caught up and eaten by the birds along the path like the parable of the sower. We're on guard. We look around us. So what John talks about here goes along with what Jesus said in the reading from John chapter 20. When Jesus first rebuked Thomas, and then he taught us what we are to truly see. Jesus said to, them, have, said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So your faith is founded in Jesus Christ, your God and Lord. And it stands unmoved on God's sure word. So through that word of God, you have life. John's gospel was written, as he told you, to give you eternal life. You have the victory over sin, you have the victory over death, you have the victory over the devil. And it's not just some positive outlook, but it's a real victory. 
Because you've been cleansed, you've been set apart from these things. They no longer rule over you. Instead, you rule over them. So when all of those things try to lure you into temptation and away from God, look them square in the eye and treat them as the defeated enemy. Because you're sons and daughters of the king. And nobody messes with sons and daughters of the king. And so Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So dear Christians who are gathering on this day, Jesus says to you right now, he says to you in this place, peace be with you, your sin is forgiven. And it is. The same Lord who appeared to the disciples after rising from the dead is the same Lord who lived perfectly according to the law of God. The Lord who was untouched by the world. In fact, the one who has overcome the world. His perfect obedience was lived for you, and he went to the cross as the perfect sacrifice to atone for your sin. And he finished it as he died on the cross and gave up his spirit. And now, risen from the dead, he preaches to you what he has done, and you have it through his word. The living God speaks. The living God gives life. And so his victory is your victory. The world, your sinful flesh, the devil, they've been crushed by him. And you have this as he has given it to you in faith. You have those things, and you have been born of God through the waters of your baptism. So the garment that you wear, even though you now have put on the ordinary clothes, the garment that you wear right now is the robe of Christ's righteousness, which he has covered you with. And so it's a wonderful day today. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's risen from the dead, and he speaks to you. He's done it all, and he gives it to you graciously. You're born of God. You're sons and daughters of the king, and that means everything. God is your father. Your king is your father. And you have a new life in Christ that lasts forever. So your world is his world. Where you live is his kingdom. What you desire is what he wills, what he gives. And your life confesses this in all of your words and all of your actions. You are a son of God, called his own treasured possession, brought into his own eternal kingdom. And like Jesus spoke to the apostles, there's great peace in all of this, because you have the forgiveness of sins, even as the Lord has shown you mercy. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? That's what God says to you this second Sunday of Easter. And what a joy it is, for Jesus is risen, and you have the victory. You really do. So cling to Christ. Cling to Christ who does all things well. Cling to him who stands triumphant with his nail-marked hands and feet and spear-pierced side that a man was able to stick his hands into. These are the marks of your salvation. And Jesus directs you to his word. And you are blessed this day as he preaches to you, and by the Holy Spirit you believe it. This is who you are as children born of him. And all of this is yours now, and it will be 
even as one day you were raised from your grave. And on that day, when you are clothed with the unstained robe of Christ and his new creation forever, standing about around his throne, waving palm branches to the lamb who was slain but is raised. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.